I'm Darren Garrahy, and you're listening to The Laughs of Your Life, the podcast where I talk to influential people about laughter, from their first memories of laughter to feeling laughed at, to the person they always laugh with. No, I did. I said Don. I said loads of lovely things about Donica. <laughs> Donica, I love you. I said Donica's the person who, but Donica and Nell, I like. They both have very different senses of humor. Nell, Nell thinks she's funnier than she is, but that's what I find funny about her that she'll laugh at her own jokes ridiculously and that makes me laugh but she thinks I'm laughing at her for being funny which (laughs) I'm sorry to say now normally isn't the case (laughs) Emmy nominated actor star of normal people and proud Irishman Paul Meskell is my guest this week he talks to me about his tight-knit family his love of music and dealing with global fame while stuck in his London flat I hope you enjoy Paul Meskell you are extremely welcome Hello. to the laughs of your life. Thank you very much for having me. I've just cut across your whole introduction. Thing, so sorry. Well, I mean, it's obvious you haven't listened to the podcast, but that's okay because I, I do that in every episode. But it's all good. It's all good. Uh, where, 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 where in the world are you right now? I am in London, in my flat in London. And you've been there for the most part since since all of yeah, pretty yeah. much yeah since March, and then I got uh, home to Ireland for business for about a month to see family and then had to come back over for work. How has it been as in lockdown? I'm not going to ask you about the madness of fame just yet because I'm sure that will come up later. But how has lockdown and all that been for you? Lockdown has been like as I think as as it has been for everyone like a load of different things. At the start it was kind of a nice break and then it became a really long break and it became stressful. And um, yeah, I have like complicated feelings towards it because it's been positive in a sense because it has slowed everything down. And then on the other side of things, it's probably slowed things down too much, just personally speaking. But um, yeah, I'm I'm ready for it to be done as I think everyone else is. But uh, yeah, just trying to be as patient as I can with it. I was listening to uh, Daisy Edgar-Jones on Elizabeth Day's podcast and she was talking about mm-hmm. the madness of of the fame you know in your bedroom and uh you know her flatmates just being like this is really weird <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah it's it, it actually for a lot of it i was in london by myself because my flatmates went home to ireland kind of at the start of it which was really weird it's the first time i've kind of spent that length of time by myself especially when everything was kind of kicking off but actually really useful like going from zoom call to Zoom call and kind of promoting the show. But having that kind of time to yourself after to kind of decompress and go like life is just fucking crazy at the moment. And um, having time to acknowledge that was really useful. And then everybody came back and we were able to have, I was able to see people. Yes. <laughs> so that was, that's a positive. Actually, yeah. Speaking yeah. of your flatmates, are, is, are, do you still live with India Mullen? Yes, yes, I do. And Oshin, um, our friend. Yeah. Fun fact, I was actually in a play with India Mullen one time. That's my claim to fame. Oh, really? What was the play? It was Rough Magic. What was it? Um, I, oh God, it was like, they basically raked in about 30 students from the Gaiety School of Acting and from Drama and Theatre Studies in Trinity. And we uh, <laughs> we were just extras. Like, we just ran, walked in and out in mad costumes. But India actually had, I think, a sentence to say. So we were all like, oh my God, India, like, has a line. <laughs> And she'll never let anyone <laughs> know otherwise. <laughs> okay, Paul, let's uh, start with these questions about laughter. Yes. 
Paul Meskel, your first memory of laughter. Um, my first memory of laughter is um, I remember my dad watching very highbrow, but he was watching Dumb and Dumber when I was too young to understand the humor of it. I remember seeing him, him kind of like viciously laugh at something. I can't even remember what was on the television, but I remember, on I remember being deeply satisfied by seeing like your dad, who you see being your dad ninety percent of the time, and then to see him kind of doubled over laughing, and to see that what he was watching on television was able to kind of elicit that response in him. But I remember being so deeply confused by the situation, but laughing. And like that, that's my first memory of laughter. I can't even remember what age I was, but yeah, that was my first memory of it. What was life in your house like? You are you, so this, there was three of you: Nell, who we've all come to three. know. Yes. And who who's the brother yeah. that you don't talk about, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> is that my my other brother, who I love equally as much? Is uh, his name is uh, I've forgotten. No. <laughs> No, his, his name's Donegan and my mum Dervla and my other my other dad, my dad. <laughs> <laughs> we're off to a flyer. We are off. To we're a we're absolutely um, flying it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. And so, what does Donica do? <laughs> Donica is studying HR management in uh, DIT, and he plays a brilliant rugby player. He's like the Donica, my mum always described him as a fixer which isn't a job but Donica would always um when we were growing up he'd be the person to like find things that went missing or he would fix kind of family just he's a very like he's very charming and charismatic in, in a family dynamic that he, he'd he be the person that like if things are stressed or fraught he will he he understands the kind of edge of what's appropriate and what's not appropriate to say enough for it to be controversial but just enough to make my mum laugh or like give out to him but you see the kind of sides of her lips kind of turn into a smile <laughs> he's very good at kind of judging um things and he's just he's very very charismatic very fun person to be around he's definitely the probably the funniest out of all of us growing up was we had like very not ne- not necessarily economically, but in terms of support, we were very privileged growing up. We were able to kind of play as much sport as we wanted to. We could, if like we like, we were put into things like piano lessons because we were like born in the Celtic Tiger and then went into a recession. So like, let's do fucking piano, whereas none of us had shown an interest in it before. But um, we were we were driven around the country to go and play matches. And when I decided I wanted to get into the kind of drama side of things, I was drawn up, drove, driven up and down to Waterford to kind of rehearse for um, musicals and things. And um, so in terms of that side and in terms of being able to go after what we wanted to do, I, I would say, and I could speak on behalf of Donica and Nell as well, very, very privileged in that sense. Oh, yeah, I, I, I would come from a similar family where you are encouraged because I know like there's people you go to school with in Ireland and their parents don't have value in that or they do they go, no, it needs to be no. primary teaching or it needs to be medicine or it needs to be law and that's it. And so to to, to be from a family that encourages that, it's it's everything, you know, and and, 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 and it's also, yeah, it, but it's like that. it's the sense that it, we weren't necessarily um 
brought up in a particularly creative sense. Like we never went and did drama or, or anything like that. But I think what my parents are amazing at is kind of stepping off when they need to in terms of just allowing us find what we want to do. And when we do feel like we found it, they'll they'll just really, really support that. And it's kind of that, like, I, I find the degree of support that they give so intimidating because it's like <laughs> what I would eventually probably demand of myself. And I don't know if I have that in me in terms of it's just so the time that they have put into us is something that I'll forever uh, be grateful for. And like, I'm only one of their children and they do the same for Dunica now. And Okay, yeah. Paul, the first time you felt laughed at. First time I felt laughed at. First time I felt laughed at was probably, I blame my mum for this, was to do with my communion outfit. <laughs> I need to describe my communion outfit. It was a disgusting <laughs> cream number <laughs> with a green t-shirt underneath like the color palette was atrocious and then these kind of wrangler boots and i remember like the lads wearing like a cool ben sherman shirt or like dressed like communion boys in a little like nice dark colored and i came in cream and a green t-shirt and wrangler boots and i remember one of the lads saying oh why 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 is the color of your trousers the same as some of the girls and i remember <laughs> being first being so confused by the statement because they're cream and white are very different colors in my mind <laughs> but then yeah i felt i felt laughed at and of course it's at that age if somebody says a comment if one of the cool guys says a comment like that that's funny you know yeah, yeah, and i remember yeah. being like i remember having a blazing row <laughs> with my mom in the car and the way like why did you make me wear cream? All the lads were wearing navy. Why did you make me wear cream? Yeah, it was, um, yeah, laughed at. Oh, I think at that age, like, your, the, your uh, currency as a cool guy changes with what your latest pair of runners are yeah. or what football team you support. It's less kind of a, it's less of a permanent thing, I think. <laughs> um, what was secondary school you like? Secondary school, me, was, I, I, I found the thought of going into secondary school quite daunting. And I, like, I, I found those transitions, like primary school to secondary, secondary to college. Uh, I remember being quite nervous for both of those kind of changes because I like structure. I like kind of getting used to something and then knowing that that's, I know how to exist within that. I know what it looks like. I found the kind of prospect of like, going from classroom to classroom, being in a class of, or being in a year of 180 people, or just meeting, like not being in a kind of bubble of 30 people from day to day. I found that kind of daunting. Um, but I found, I really enjoyed secondary school. I had great friends. I really liked my year group. Um, and I loved playing sport in school. There was a really, I, I went to Manukos primary and it's a, I, I, there's just amazing teachers. There's amazing kind of programs put in place. It's a public school, but um, yeah, I I love the kind. Of, you start to feel like more of an adult towards the end of it, and I like being treated like an adult and kind of 
um, that feeling of you're responsible for yourself the further you get along through and I yeah I, I really liked it are there people who from say your teenage years or your childhood or, or whatever who have reached out to you like I think Irish people who become the level of famous that that has been bestowed on you fairly overnight <laughs> you kind of I think it's an Irish thing where you're you're you remember or you have in the back of your mind oh god like Scarlet for me if <laughs> the lads I went to school with think I'm getting ahead of myself you know what I mean I think it's like so, do you do you yeah, have that I think I I I totally understand that but I don't feel that because I don't think I think that can sometimes be maybe a negative thing that could that like yeah there's negative connotations to that that like I think I love being Irish and I love Irish people but I think sometimes there can be a little bit of and I haven't felt this but there can be a kind of bitterness it's like we like to see them do well but when they get past a certain point they automatically become egotistical and kind of above themselves and my friends from school and and my friends from home will like they I treat them and they treat me the same way as as we did before any of it probably I, we don't get to communicate as often as as we did before but i think that's just the the the, the nature of the game at the moment until i kind of get to grips with what my life is for the next while but um there was no kind of, like that's kind of a statement that i'm allergic to is kind of been like oh and and won't you remember us now oh yeah yeah when and like I totally, I, and to be fair, I haven't heard that, especially from people that I like genuinely consider yeah. friends. But um, I have a really positive experience in that sense from people reaching out who we could have been messaging the week before about something else. And then the show comes out and it's, it's a continuation rather than a, a drop in. And I, and I think um, I'm lucky that that's, that's not always the case. Okay, Paul, the moment if you, yes. di- if you, the moment if you didn't laugh, you cry. <laughs> moment if I didn't laugh I'd cry what was my answer for this moment if I didn't laugh you'd cry you were allowed to have notes if you wanted them I mean I'm oh <laughs> I know but I didn't I tried to learn my lines <laughs> <laughs> um, if I didn't laugh I'd cry I, oh this is it I was uh, in drama school um, me and my friend Charlie we used to get the train home I was in first year I was still living in Minutha at the time and we get the train from Pierce, the Maynooth train. And I remember we were rehearsing for a play. We were rehearsing for like all Tales from the Vienna Woods. And we were just, we were in a scene together and we were absolute, we were just shit that day. Nothing was going right. We got a bit of a scolding for just not being good at our jobs. <laughs> and I remember at that point, it was all kind of tenuous because I had no prior experience. I was like, going to try out this acting thing. I was a year into it and everything just felt a little bit brittle in the sense that I wasn't able to take and it was never like criticism. Like we had, the, we had the most amazing acting teacher, Hillary, who challenged us in the most amazing ways. But at that point I didn't have the confidence to take the criticism or see it as constructive. And I remember walking to the, train station and getting a brownie in that you know that centre beside um, Pier Street yeah they have a deceptively amazing bakery section where they do like great 
comfort food. So I was like, I'm going in to get a brownie. <laughs> and I was sat, I went outside. Me and Charlie hadn't spoken about the whole thing because we were just we got we were like, oh, I don't know if we're going to be able to do this. <laughs> and it just, just as I was like biting into the brownie, it started lashing rain, and we both just started pissing ourselves. But it was so on the edge of like, ha, ah, we're laughing now, but I don't know if I'm going to go into college in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and, but yeah. and like for anyone who maybe doesn't know what actor training is like, it is nothing like college is mm-hmm. for most people. It's up at the crack of dawn. It's in your fresh. You're ready to roll around the floor or no, you know, three monologues in a row. Like yeah. I didn't do it. My sister did it. I actually, I'm sorry. I, I just need to drop this in here. I auditioned for the Lear and I got in and my parents wouldn't let me do it. What? Yeah. And I know I said earlier on that they let me do these things, but basically I was two years into drama and theatre studies. So they were like, no, you're not leaving your course. You've done two years. So I... Oh, how I'd, do you feel about that? I'd, I'm going to interview you now. <laughs> I didn't talk to them for like two months. I... Uh, I was like, I actually can't believe you're doing this to me. But I just then went back to drama and theatre studies and I had two years left and I was like, I just need to throw myself into this. And I did. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Do you, do you have any resentment towards that though? Because I think that's such a, like, that's a, like, that could be, like, obviously everything's going amazingly now, but in terms of like, that probably felt like a big shift. Yeah, massive. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm fine now because things have worked out great and I found... I think if I hadn't yeah. found my path, I probably would have held on to it. But I just, mm-hmm. I just made it work in another way, and and it is working out, so it's fine. But yeah. I don't think I was ever destined. To, like when I got into the Lear, I was like, perfect, I'll do the Lear, and then Oscar within three years. It's ideal. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but no, it's all good now. It's all good. We're fine. We're good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry. What I was saying was, it's not your normal college experience. It's intense and it's it's full on, and it's kind of you have to be yeah. ready for for that that criticism. And you're almost kind of stripped of all you think you know about acting or drama or whatever. Um, but did you yeah. love that? No, did you? I like, and to be honest, like I had heard of kind of like horror stories of people going to drama school in London where they basically like personally attack you and try to strip you of all like all of you essentially and just kind of rebuild you and like that's not the way the Lear operates it's, it's a far more it's, it's it's far more holistic it's far more um attentive to the fact that we're not robots we're human beings who have feelings and also that you come into college with a certain set of skills that are unique to you and they're important to enhance rather than strip away and like you've got things weirdly that you're good at going in there and it's important to hold on to them rather than strip everything away is essentially what I'm trying to say. But, but even at that, there is moments in it when you need to be called out on it because it's a very competitive industry. And I feel like it's a, it's an industry that's full of incredibly talented people at all levels. And I think the only thing that really separates people is look and how hard you're willing to work. And it was moments like that when I think what upset me about that conversation was the fact that what had been caught, what I'd been called out on was the fact that I wasn't prepared enough. And that wouldn't be something that I would normally typically be. I I don't like to be underprepared. And it was the fact that Hillary so wonderfully called us out on it. And we walked away and we were like, 
I, I just felt seen in a way that I wasn't going to like, <laughs> I knew from that moment, I wasn't going to be able to pull the wool over anyone's eyes. And then I kind of just like promised that like, regardless of whether the acting or anything is good, I'll try to be as prepared as I can be at every, at any given moment. The the years or the classes in acting school, in drama school are really small. And, and usually every year mm-hmm. there'll be a bit of a buzz, you know, when there's a showcase, there'll be a buzz or there'll be talk or mutterings around the people who are graduating and the ones who might potentially do really well. I know you're probably going to answer this and say, no, no, no. But genuinely, did you feel when you were leaving college that there was a chance not I, I don't think you I don't think anyone could have anticipated what's happened to, for you and what you've made happen but did you mm. did you feel okay I think now I probably have I have a good shot out of the people in my year and I know that's and that's not a slight on the people in your year it's just did you did you get a no sense? I totally understand what you're saying yeah I feel like it's, it's kind of there's loads of facets to that answer because I found I loved drama school I'm like I had a really great time in it. I was also something that I really needed. I had no kind of experience on stage bar doing um, musicals, but I had no experience doing straight acting or anything like that. So I needed that time to figure out how to actually do it and how to make it or try to make it a, a living out of it and try to be like, try to have the confidence in myself to go like, this is the thing that I love and I want to be able to pay my bills from it. Mm-hmm. That's the ideal. And then I, um, I, I, my first kind of inkling towards the kind of possibility of that was I met um, my agent, Lara, who I'm still with now, at the Christmas in third year. Um, and she was, she's an amazing agent and she, she works in a, in a big agency in London. And I remember being like, oh, even if this still doesn't pan out, it gave me a kind of boost of confidence to know that, oh, somebody thinks that I'm good, who isn't my teacher, who isn't somebody who I have a direct relationship with, somebody who independently came and watched the show and, and liked what I did. And then that kind of, I, I left drama school kind of a, a month, I think, early to do my first play. But like everything, I think, and this to kind of bring it back, because you never anticipate anything other than the next thing that is happening to you I don't think like everything's relative everybody's stress I still feel the same level of stress now that I felt when I was leaving drama school because stress is is I think stress is relative mm. because it's, it's, in, it's in relation to the events that are happening to you now um so yeah I felt I felt I, I, I felt in a really good position I felt like I'd learned lots from the training and I was as much as I loved it, I was very much ready to leave. And I think that's a sign of a good training that they kind of leave you at that moment being like, okay, go try it. Spread your wings and fly. Spread your wings and fly. (laughs) Okay, Paul, your no laughing matter moment in life. This is, I found this the hardest because it kind of ties back to the fact that I have had a very privileged life emotionally in terms of I feel very supported by my family. I have professionally things have gone well for me. So I, I, I to date, but I feel that it's probably to do with the recent months of which I'm aware is such a small thing in the grand scheme of things. But again, it's relative to the fact 
that my family have been such a big and are such a big support of me that not being able to actively share for them not to be present when a big phone call happens or when nominations come through or things like that and you're on a phone call to them and the connection cuts because the wi-fi is shit and and everything just feels like like it's tiny things like that but it's not being able to kind of share in the immediate excitement of it all mm. with the people that have supported you and will continue to support you from day but also it's kind of a positive thing because i think given the circumstance that kind of reaffirms or kind of re-emphasizes what's important to me or the, the values that I want excuse me to protect yeah like I mean I, I've seen um, Gigi Hadid <laughs> the model she said before she was like there's no handbook for fame no one has a clue how to do it or how to deal with it or like those those big moments no one knows really mm-hmm. like how to do it right so like I think you and and Daisy and you know other people in the show but mainly you guys no one will ever experience fame in that way, I think, ever again. Maybe they will. If there's another yeah. pandemic, please. If there's another, another pandemic. God. Pandemic. <laughs> but like, pandemic. It's it's a relation to pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's weird. It's, it's um. To not I have find... yet to, to not have your yeah. your nearest and dearest, the ones your absolute rock people there to mm-hmm. to just be your soundboards or your like um, yeah. But it sounds like literally such a first world problem and I'm aware of that. No, but, but it's, it's not, it's not that. It, 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 it's, it's, it doesn't feel like that to me, but I'm aware. But it's not, a, but it's not a problem. It's just a thing. It's not, you're not saying it's a yeah. problem. It's just mad. And, and, yeah. and there's no one else really who has dealt with it the, the way you guys have. And so, I don't know. I, I, I think it's, it's amazing the way you both have and the way you've just like ridden the wave and, uh, I think you're both just onto something unbelievable. It's just the the, the only way is up for you both. How is she actually? You. I, I, you guys seem She's to amazing. be genuinely great friends. It's all an act. No, I'm joking. She, like, <laughs> I, I was hoping you'd be like, actually, she's a bit. I don't know. Actually, I don't know. <laughs> no, I I adore I adore Daisy, and it's 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 nice now considering the fact that like when we were kind of in the midst of the kind of campaign for the show there was uh we were in the midst of like like strict lockdown so we didn't see each other bar kind of in this setting on zooms and we would it got to the point where we would like go on to zooms and like forget to acknowledge each other just because we were literally going for 15 minute zooms the whole way along and then we'd call each other at the end of the day and be like, oh my God, what's it? But we'd just be so exhausted. Whereas now it's kind of everything's going back to normal. We're able to actively, like I remember seeing her for the first time after after lockdown happened. And it was like, we were both aware because we were both experiencing the same thing at the same time of how weird or how dramatically our lives had shifted between the last two times that we'd seen each other. You know, like we saw yeah. each other in person, say, before the show came out, and then suddenly we were thinking about where we could go that we wouldn't be photographed or where we could go that people, like, you know, and it's, 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 uh, and that's like only a temporary thing in terms of like people lose interest in, in those things very quickly. But I mean, in the sense that like, 
you feel like a dickhead even considering that, but it's also something you want to do those things to protect your friendship and to, and to, um, yeah. And it was just so nice seeing her and being able to see her more and more, um, since the show's come out is, um, amazing. Okay, Paul, the person you always laugh with. Yes. My sister. Ah, you can't say Nell again. What about Donica? No, I did. I said, I said loads of lovely things about Donica. (laughs) Donica, I love you. I said Donica's the person who, but Donica and Nell, I like, they both have very different senses of humor. Nell, Nell thinks she's funnier than she is, but that's what I find funny about her, that she'll laugh at her own jokes ridiculously, and that makes me laugh, but she thinks I'm laughing at her for being funny, which <laughs> I'm sorry to say now normally isn't the case. <laughs> um, I can't, it, it's my family in general have, like my mum presents as she <laughs> my mum does this thing where if I tell her something mad that's going on in my life, she'll do this. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it, but it drives Donica and Nell nuts. <laughs> she'll do the same thing as like, I had a meeting with X or Y, someone, and, and she'll go, you had a meeting? Oh, and she does this sharp inhale, and you can just hear Donica and Nell in the background being like, Mom, would you ever just fucking stop doing that? Where Donica has this sense of humor that is very, like, he's bold. Like, Donica's, like, always on the edge. And as a kind of, like, family dinners for us are normally very pleasant to begin with then politics is brought up or some like a kind of topical conversation and we're all shouting and roaring at each other and somebody's <laughs> going to bed early normally my mom and um now's at the point where whenever we talk about something big or, or um yeah politics or something going on in the world <laughs> at christmas this year we were talking about something i can't remember what it was but she was so frustrated about what was happening and she was trying to articulate her point and she just started bawling, crying. You know, that kind <laughs> <Yeah>. of frustration. <laughs> so she's that, but then she'll be bawling, crying and laughing at herself for crying. <laughs> and I, I think my dad is probably the funniest out of us all in terms of classically funny. He's got a, he, he tells good jokes. Um, he's kind of caustic in his humour. And... Um, but I laugh most with Nell because it's the kind of thing that tickles me the most is somebody who thinks they're really funny but laughs viciously at themselves. <laughs> gotcha. I'm a bit like that. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A, a time where you had the last laugh. It's always that thing with a job that any job that you're going for, regardless of how it ends like whatever ends up coming in from your agent afterwards. It's always that one. There's always that kind of immediate, like it's a weird all encompassing desire that you have to play this thing, even though you've read it about 40 minutes ago, you feel destined to do it. (laughs) And then you're, unless it's like, it it makes it a lot easier if say one of your friends ends up doing it and you're like, Oh, I like that person that is a good thing that they're playing that but I am slightly <laughs> resentful for the fact that they are but it does make it a little bit better but when it's somebody that um, that you don't know or your acting nemesis that's a joke I don't have an acting nemesis <laughs> um, ends up playing it but I can't I, I need to think about a specific moment where I had the last laugh I genuinely can't think of one look it that's fine we'll uh... is it does that just 
totally destroy I mean, the you're the, the first person in the history of the podcast to do not but don't feel bad about it it's fine <laughs> uh, for the benefit of the viewers i'm holding my hands up in the air delighted by that statement no you talked about it in a general this is, sense this is this is this is the time that i got the last laugh when i decided prior to the fact that i wasn't going to have an answer to gotcha. that question oh it's like a, a last yeah, laugh inception okay i got you exactly okay sorry i don't have one that's all good okay paul uh if laughter wasn't the best medicine what would be i have an addiction to like a cold bottle of coke that would be the like that i think that could cure everything for me definitely i always have like a bottle of coke in the fridge do you that if i'm feeling down <laughs> like sometimes i drink it first thing in the morning no yeah first like or definitely if i'm hungover like first thing that, in the morning yeah. you're you're a rock star now no it's insane it's not good for <laughs> yeah it's rock stars i used to not drink coke from the fridge before normal people but hey now i can't get enough no. of it no, hook it to my veins i have, I have coca-cola on drip i have a fridge specifically for coke yeah oh my god please do an episode of cribs and if you don't have coke in the fridge i'll be fuming Okay. Oh Jesus! Christ. I thought I thought you were going to say music, Paul, because you do love your music. I do love my music, and oh yeah, that's a way better answer. Yeah, I think <laughs> like uh, oh, do you know what? I, that Discover Weekly section of podcast of uh, Spotify. Do you know when they they curate a playlist for you every yes. week? Starts your week off. Today's Monday, so there's been a new update of Spotify Weekly. So I'm a happy, happy camper today. So that's your medicine. That's my medicine and a cold bottle of coke. <laughs> stunning. Absolutely stunning. Stunning. <laughs> Are you ready for your quick fire round? Yes. Okay, Paul, the actor you always laugh at. Jim Carrey. Um, the comedian you always laugh at. Um... Oh, this is not quick fire. No, not at um, all. Comedian, I always laugh at. <laughs> oh, um, fuck. What's the actor who played? Um, my dad is obsessed with him, and I'm obsessed with him. I can't remember his name. Who played? Um, <laughs> in Goodwill Hunting. Robin Williams. Robin Williams. Sorry, <laughs> I I don't do well under pressure. That's of, okay. Like, quick fire rounds because it makes me go slow. <laughs> Quick makes me go slow. Okay, and yeah. finally, Paul, your best or worst joke? Oh, for Christ. Come on! I don't know. <laughs> See, this is, it's all coming full circle now. Um, uh, best or worst joke? Oh, this is, am I, is it, oh, okay, I'm going to tell a joke. Yeah, you can be dirty or whatever. Do what you like. It's it, okay. Um, it's, <laughs> It's it's not my views on cabin people. It's a joke that has always been told to me about cabin people. Cabin? Um, so what, about what people? Ca ca people from cabin. Oh, cabin. Oh, okay. I think it's a cabin. Yeah. I was like... Is, is, am, I allowed to, am, I allowed, am I allowed to tell this joke? Just these are not my um, views, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to tell the joke anyway. Um, <laughs> so a man uh, walks... There, it's set in cabin. The joke is set in cabin. <laughs> A man Scene. walks into a bar in Cavan. A man walks into a bar in Cavan. And uh, the barman says to him, Johnny, what's after going on? 
and because Johnny's looking really sad, and Johnny's like, ah, someone's after breaking into my house, and I'm really sad about it. He goes, oh Jesus, what do they have to take on you, Johnny? It's like nothing. Why are you so sad then? He's like, I made a stew for the week, and he's like, okay, okay. And one of them took a shite in the stew, <laughs> and then he says, ah, oh, but sure, you just. That's not the worst thing they could have stolen. He's like, I know, I have to throw half of it out. <laughs> oh, no! No! <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Just in case at all we have any international listeners, Paul, uh, we, we should probably finish yeah. that by saying that cabin people are known for being tight. <laughs> yeah, that's the... Yeah, I that's the joke! It. It was, uh, that's the joke! That's the joke. That is the joke. Paul... Um, that was stunning. That was fantastic, that joke. Um, I cannot thank, thank you, you enough. <laughs> no. I, uh, no, honestly, no, no. Because, okay, so for anyone... I'm sweating after that fast <laughs> around. Uh, for anyone who might know, I basically, long story short, just went out on a whim on Twitter and asked you and Chris O'Day to do this podcast. It was actually Chris who entertained me and just kind of looped you in <laughs> and was like, yeah. we better do CC. this. <laughs> CC. <laughs> Oh, but honestly, like as a result, twenty thousand euro has been donated to Comic Relief in Ireland, which is absolutely—it's major, it's major. And you had already done yeah. your bid for Comic Relief, um, but here you are again. No. So, so honestly, Paul, thank you so much. And I just want to say also, actually, have you done any Irish interviews really since Normal People? Like a couple? Yeah, we. Did, I did the Late Late Show. Well, well, yeah. Apart from that, that's the major. I, 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 honestly, I couldn't tell you what interviews um, blur have happened in blur. the last one. It, it has been a blur. blur. There's been a lot of interviews. Blur. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. Well, I feel, I'm going to say it's an exclusive, even though it isn't. Uh, the exclusive. It's an exclusive. <laughs> you heard it first. <laughs> Paul, please um, don't listen to it if you're from Cavan. <laughs> Don't be worrying. You're all right. Uh, Paul Meskel, thank you so much for sharing the laughs of your life. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to The Laughs of Your Life with Paul Meskel. I hope you enjoyed it. A huge thank you to both Tato and Guinness, who played a big part in making this episode of the podcast happen. Loads of great guests to come this season, so don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, review, and all that other stuff. This podcast is brought to you by Collaborative Studios. Yeah.